Welcome to the Soul Center Podcast. We are your co-hosts, Master Healer Ariella Halevi and Rabbi Dr. Baruch Halevi. Rabbi B, your healer and guide on the journey of life. In this podcast, we will explore all things spirituality, meaning, and healing. From Kabbalah and the healing of your soul, to shamanic energy work and the healing of your past. From ancient wisdom traditions to guide your spirit, to modern tools to live your life. The Soul Center Podcast will empower you to discover your soul's purpose and inspire you to live a soul-centered life. And don't forget to check out Rabbi B's newest podcast, The Defiant Spirit. You can find it at mysoulcenter.org or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And now, on to our show. So welcome to the Defiant Spirit. I'm Baruch Levy, also known as B, and I am excited to have you back on this podcast. Some of you are coming to me vis-a-vis video, and some are coming to me through your particular podcasting platform. However you got to me, to us here at Soul Centered, just want to thank you for taking the time to uh, make this journey with me. So I uh, am missing my podcasting partner in Ariella. We have a couple um, podcasts here at Soul Centered. One is our Soul Center podcast, which we do together. She's getting ready for her own podcast and really focusing on her work, um, Divine Origins. And she also has a huge client load right now. She has a waiting list. She's just um, really doing some great work out there in the world. So <clears throat> we take just a little bit of a pause on our joint time together. It's uh, complicated raising four kids and being busy building business and all of that good stuff so it hasn't stopped me from podcasting i'm focused on it right now i am um i have a lesser client load by design i really want to focus on designing programs and teaching and so i've been spending a lot of time finishing up defy your number which is a defiant spirit enneagram program um for those who don't know, the Enneagram is one of my passions. It is an ancient psychological personality system um, to really help you take back your power to choose, to choose your response in life, inspired by my other passion, Dr. Viktor Frankl, Holocaust survivor, author of Man's Search for Meaning, whose thesis and father of logotherapy, I'm a logotherapist, that means meaning or even choice-centered living and therapy. And his thesis was and is that um, we can navigate our way through any circumstance that life has to offer us, to present to us, to challenge us with, if we can get back to our true source of power, our defiant spirit. And that spirit allows us to take back our ability to stop reacting and start responding to our life. And so that's really where the Enneagram for me comes in because it's a system of where do I forfeit my free will, my ability to choose? Where do I go on um, autopilot? Which number, it's based on nine numbers, Ennea means nine, which number do I default to um, when I am in fear, when I am reacting? And so once I can understand that, and the Enneagram is a roadmap, more about my false self, where I go in fear, when I'm unconscious, then I can take back my power. I can choose. I can defy my number. I react as an Enneagram 8. You might react as a 2 or a 9 or whatever the number is. And I can take back that power and make choices, better choices, 
choices at all and choose to be the higher side of my number. Every side is a unhealthy or unconscious side and a healthier a conscious side. And I can choose any number. I have access to all of them. They're all within me. They're all within you. And so I've been working on this program, Defy Your Number. It's a, it's a video, do-it-yourself based um, program. And it's a starter program. It's foundational of all the basics you need to defy your number and live your spirit, your defiant spirit. So been really finishing that up. Lots of details with these programs. I have a few other programs. Anybody interested? One on grief called um, Carry the Fire. One on life direction called Choose Your Own Way. But this is um, the foundation of my work. And I've been really focused on it for the past two years, I guess, at this point, formally, to synthesize these great traditions. And um, so, yeah, I'm very excited to be launching that. And wants to talk a little bit about that in the Enneagram. I get a lot of questions about what is the Enneagram. And, you know, as I just mentioned, I stand by what I said, but I would also say that um, it is, it's an energy system. And I don't necessarily mean that so esoteric, but energy as in we're all energy. Life is energy. Everything is in movement. I mean, the table I'm leaning on right now is in movement. I can't see it with my naked eye, but it's just electrons and protons and neutrons and croutons, whatever it is. I'm not a scientist, but I know it's actually not what it appears. I know that all matter is movement. It's energy. And, and you know, the fact that you're hearing me with this podcast, my the energy is coming through my head. I have an idea. I'm translating that to myself, trying to communicate it to you. It's coming through these sound waves. It's entering your head. I'm literally in your head. You're like, get me out of my, get, get out of my head, be, um, and so we're exchanging energy. I mean, we just don't think in these terms. We don't stop and really pause and understand what's going on here. So life is energy and it's movement. And ancient traditions of all types, only they just deal in energy. So if, you know, whatever spiritual tradition you're talking about, you're really talking about how do you tap into energy, harness energy, and um, become conscious of the energy that is you, that is around you, that's life itself. All, all traditions, you know, I do yoga. Hinduism is built on this idea. And that's what really yoga is, is moving energy through your body, connecting to this life source. When I go to yoga, uh, do yoga, I can just, I feel alive. I don't do it for the workout. It's can be a good workout, but that's not what yoga is for. I, I really resist these yoga studios that have turned it into a gym class, you know, 24 hour fitness where I work out offers yoga and I've tried it and it just, it feels like an exercise. Um, whereas real yoga is about moving energy because we get stuck and we have to get unstuck. And I want to talk to you about the Enneagram and being stuck and Passover and, and, uh, Easter and the spring equinox, but a little bit more on this energy system because the Enneagram is the finest energy system I have ever discovered. And I've been practicing and utilizing and looking for them for the past 30 years. Um, for, for a long time, my default was Judaism because I think at its best, like most religions at its best, it can be this, it can be a system to help you grow, to help you move, uh, evolve the, the, the thesis of Judaism and all Western modern monotheistic religions is there's a source of energy. And we are here to <clears throat> draw upon that energy. This is a Kabbalistic understanding of Judaism. I don't think most Jews who are going to the synagogue 
just like most Christians who are going to church really understand what the essence of it's all about. It's not to go and check the box. It's not to, you know, eat this and don't eat that and work on this day and don't work on that day, the Sabbath and Kashrut and all these things. They're means and they can be a good means, but sometimes they just become a dead end. The whole point of these, you know, of, of Jewish law of halakha is direction. It's to help you move and not get stuck. Halakha is translated as Jewish law, but that's not what it means. Halakha means direction. Literally means the, a path or the path. It's interesting because all, almost every religious tradition I know talks about the path or the way, the direction forward. You know, Jesus talked about the way. He said, I am the way. And um, Taoism, Tao means the way. Christianity also talks about via. And, uh, you know, the word via, which means the way. Um I forgot what it's called in Islam. It's not Sharia. There's another word that means the way. Hinduism, yoga means the way. Um, it, it just goes on and on. And, and so, but what's the point? The point is each one of these understands that in life, we get stuck. We get we become static. We stop growing. We stop evolving. And all of these religious traditions were there to help us move forward, to help us become divine. So the foundational name for God in at least um, the Jewish tradition and according to Kabbalah is when Moses says to God, what's your name? Which is kind of a weird question. And I've talked about it in previous podcasts. But those of you who've stuck with me, you know God's answer. I'm going to give you a moment while I take a sip of coffee. What was God's answer? That's right. I know I just stole the words out of your mouth, which means... I am that I am, or I will be that I will be. And it's such a profound name of God because it's not a name per se. It's not as we think of a name, like a proper noun. It's actually a verb. I will be. I will become. I am evolving, right? It's not static. And that's what the, um, the Kabbalists teach that is is the divine. The moment it's static, it's finite, it's not infinite. It's not God. It's a version of God. It's a label of God. It's a name of God. And we can do that to God. And, and most religions do. Most synagogues I've been to, most churches I've been to, it doesn't always feel dynamic, vibrant, open, flowing. Some do, many don't. And this is the danger of organized religion. The moment you organize something by definition, you're um, you're in danger of making it stuck, static, fixed. I think it's partially why so many people have walked away from Judaism um, and and mainline um, Christianity because it feels so static. It feels so rehearsed and stayed and stale. At least in the Jewish circles I know, most. Liberal synagogues are empty on the Sabbath, I think, for this reason. Now, most yoga studios aren't. Most Zen centers aren't. Um, most, you know, pick your sport du jour on a Saturday morning, not. They're doing very well because people are hungry for movement, and not just physical movement, certainly physical movement, but also to feel moved, emotionally moved, spiritually moved. And um, this is partially, I think, why Ariella's client load is just she's she has a wait list right now because she helps people move energy 
um, through their bodies and through their hearts and tap into energy beyond, source beyond, call it whatever you want, God's spirit, spirits. And she brings it into people's lives almost like a... Um, almost like a fire hose, right? Like a fire hydrant where you kind of, you know, you plug into it and you can get that water flowing, put out the fire. You can, so you can just feel when you work with Ariella, this movement of energy, people are hungry for it. And I don't blame them. I'm hungry for it too. I find it in the Enneagram. So the Enneagram is to me a fresh system, even though it's ancient. I think partially why I'm so attracted to the Enneagram is it has all the elements of a great tradition. It's tried and true. It is true across systems. You know, it's it comes from geometry. It comes from mathematics. It's um, been part of the Christian uh, mystical tradition, Catholicism very much um, built upon that. Sufis explored the Enneagram, certainly Kabbalah and the Tree of Life, the um, Sfirot, the Tree of Life, has um, a lot of resonance with the Enneagram. And I think there were people who explored both many centuries ago. Psychology really works with the Enneagram. Again, mathematics, physics. I think there's a lot of around physics, you know, um, and I'm not going to go down that path, but it, it has those elements of being true. It doesn't matter what you believe. It's not a belief system. You can, you know, it doesn't care if you believe in it. It, it, it works or it doesn't work. And I have only seen it work in the sense of helping me and helping others get unstuck. That's the work that we're here to do. We are here to grow, to evolve evolution. I believe deeply in evolution. Um, everything should be evolving. The earth, the dinosaurs, you and I, well, I guess the dinosaurs are dead. Hopefully you and I are evolving and fare better than the dinosaurs, but that's the whole point of life. And we need help or else we will end up um, like ants in the circular circular mill. You know about the ants in the circular mill? There was, was a discovery that was made years ago, maybe 100 years ago. And I think some, one book I read, it was a Gladwell book, talked about it. But anyways, there's a phenomenon with um, is it army ants. I forget what they're called. They, um, they're the most industrious beings on planet Earth. They are the strongest beings per, you know, weight on planet earth and resilient except for when they get stuck and in the circular mill and that is what happens when one ant falls starts following the ant in front of it and the ant in front of it starts following another ant and pretty soon they're just following each other in a circle and what happens is called the circular mill they just march until they drop they're stuck right they're still moving but they're not going forward they're just going around and around and that's what human beings all beings do that's what human beings do we chase our tail we get stuck in ruts right routines and a routine is a rut and a rut is a grave with both ends knocked out i do i find myself in these stuck rituals i don't even realize i'm doing it i you know first i brush my teeth then i put my contact lenses in and then i that, 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 that fill in the blank and then i didn't realize it but we're creatures of habit. And that's just some stupid little morning, you know, get ready ritual. But we do this on every level. We are behavioral. It's okay. It's just knowing ourselves, knowing our routines, knowing how I get stuck, when I get stuck, where I get stuck. And really what the Enneagram deals in, 
this is Kabbalah 101 as well, is there are only two realities. There's fear and there's the opposite of fear. I'm going to call it love. You can't have both simultaneously. If you're in fear, you're not in love. You can call it courage or, you know, whatever you want to call it. I wouldn't say fearlessness because I don't think that's the same thing. But either you're in fear or you're in love. And if you're in fear, you're in love. If, if you're in fear, you you can't hold love simultaneously. Connection, you know, maybe that's a better word. If you're disconnected, you can't be connected and vice versa. When you're connected, when you're whole, you can't be fragmented. You can't be uh, in fear. And so what happens when we're in fear is we get stuck and we white knuckle it. We grab on, we hold tight, we circle the wagons, we get small. I've talked a lot about this in other podcasts. And this system, here comes a fire truck, hopefully it's not too loud. Um, this system is a energy movement system. So there's a flow. It's actually based on the rotation of the earth. I'm not going too deep down this rabbit hole, but it revolves um, counterclockwise in, in, the, in the way you follow kind of the energy in some sense. Um, it is based on the flow of energy in, um, in physics. So there's a neutral force, there's a positive force, there's a negative force. That's why it's built on threes. So you have three triads, head, heart, and gut. In each of those, you have a kind of a positive expression of that particular triad of thinking or of emotion or feeling or of um, action. And you have a uh, a negative, sort of a repressed version, and then you have a neutral. You don't have to understand it at this level, but I just want you to hear it's all about movement of energy and getting unstuck. And where do you go when you're stuck? And seeing that and then walking out of that, walking forward the way, halakha, the way in your life. And, and we all leave the path. So here's an interesting idea, and then we're going to get into Passover, Easter, and the spring equinox. Um, the word Torah, you might know the word Torah, pretty famous word. And most of you, if I asked you to translate Torah, you would say, yeah, this is my coffee sipping time, and you get to think of the answer. What is Torah? Well, good try, but no. It actually is an archer's term, um, and it comes from the base, the root, called the Shorish in Hebrew, Yud, Resh, Hey, the three Hebrew letters that would spell out Lirot. And Lirot is to shoot an arrow. It's an archer's term. And so it's direction. It, ooh, I just had a little Bobby Brady moment there with my voice. Um, and it's direction. No, was, sorry, it's Peter Brady. Um, <laughs> digress. So it's um, the direction we are supposed to head in life. Again, all of these great traditions saying the same thing. But that's not the most interesting part. Here's the interesting part. When you leave the path, halakha, the path, the Torah, the direction, that's called chet. Chet is C-H-E-I-T, is what oftentimes is translated as sin. I, I just don't like this word sin. I don't believe that the sin that we've come to know as sin is really sin. I think it's actually an archer's term, which is to miss the mark. So it's how far we've left the path how we've drifted off course. Another word for sin, quote unquote, in uh, Judaism is avera. It means transgression, but it literally means lavor, to leave the path. And so this idea of, well, um, Dr. Frankel was a 
um, hobby. Uh, he flew planes, uh, a pilot for hobbies and not professionally. He just enjoyed it. And he talks about um, crabbing. I guess this is a, a pilot's term where you're off course 95% of the time and you're constantly making adjustments, overcorrecting to get back to the path. But that's really what the work of religious tradition is, is to help you get back to the path. That's why in Hebrew, it's repentance is a bad, another one of those bad, heavy words that just make us tune out and freak out. It's teshuva. Teshuva means to return. So you shoot the arrow. We all head forward the way. All of life is about moving forward, growing, evolving. We all stray, call it whatever you want, to sin, chet, avera. We leave the path and we need to correct, crab. We need to go back to the path, return to the path. I like return way better than repent. Repent, repent, return, return. And return to what? Return to the path. Whose path? Your path. That's the point. This is not about somebody else's path. Each of us has our own path. And that's partially why I love the Enneagram, because you have your path. I have my path. When I try and walk your path, that's actually idolatry. I'm trying to be somebody or something I'm not. I'm stuck in your number, in my lower number, my reaction number, trying to be a number that I'm not or that isn't you know, the one I need right now. And so it's about coming back to my path, my power, my number, owning it, walking my path. And that's really what the Enneagram is all about. And this is freedom. And this is Passover. So what, you know, B, you, you titled it Passover, or no, what did I title it? Easter, Exodus, Equinox, and the Enneagram. That's a lot of E's. So what does this have to do with Passover? I'm a Jew or Easter. I'm a Christian or spring equinox. I'm atheist. Okay. Glad you stuck around. So coffee break. Hang on while we get ready for the next segment. Well, Passover, which is what Easter is based on, you know, obviously with some pivots along the way, but the foundational idea of Easter is um, the Last Supper of Jesus, which was a Passover Seder. And Passover Seder is ancient. It comes from the book of Exodus. So that sounded better. Exodus, Easter, and Equinox sounded better than Passover. But it's really about Passover and, and Easter. Again, the foundational text being Exodus. And what is Exodus? Right? So if you look above your office door, you may say exit. Same word. So it's about leaving, except that's not what the Exodus is about. That's what's a bad translated translation has done to the story, turned it into a leaving, but it's not a tale about leaving. It's a tale about freedom. It's a tale about getting unstuck. When I say tale, it's a myth. Is it true? Absolutely. Unequivocally true. Did it happen? I don't know. D do I care? I could, I cannot care less. If I could care less, I would care less. I can't, I don't care. You know, sometimes I'll get people will want to debate me on the veracity of the Bible or, you know, ancient texts of all kinds. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. Either it's true or it's not true. And I, again, true isn't, is never bound by facts. Teacher of mine, preacher once said, um, everything I say is true and some of it actually happened. So it's true regardless of the facts. Well, certainly the Exodus is true if what we mean by it is the journey from slavery to freedom. 
it's also why it became the narrative for the founding of this country. The original forefathers used the, the Exodus as really a defining foundational text and tale for the formation of America. It's also why um, the civil rights movement um, was founded upon the Exodus and, you know, slaves uh, in this country turned to the Exodus, turned to the Bible for tales of freedom because it's an ancient, if not eternal, tale about the journey to freedom. So real quickly, what is the Exodus and how does it relate to Passover, Easter? And I'm also running my first Passover Seder. That's the meal that we have on Passover. It's not my first one. But it's my first one doing it with the Enneagram. Let me tell you about how that's going to work. People are really excited um, to be doing it as the Passover Enneagram Seder. Okay, so the Exodus, again, is not about leaving. It's about actually finding, discovering. It's also about getting unstuck. So remember the story. You know it well. You probably saw the movie, Charlton Heston, or maybe the more modern movie, which was, was a Disney Pixar, somebody made a movie, uh, Prince of Egypt. And it's a story about what happens to a people when they get stuck. Yeah, it's slavery. And um, it's a deep, complex socioeconomic, political conversation as well. But at its foundation, at least according to Kabbalah, it's about what happens when you get stuck, when you lose your pathway to who you are and why you're here when you end up living in fear. It's a story about stuck in fear. The Israelites were persecuted by Pharaoh. Um, but at a deeper level, it was all about fear because it says that um, Moses comes to them and says, you know, I'm here to set you free. This is loose translation. And they it says that they could not hear. And when you hear in the Bible, somebody cannot hear. It means they're stuck. It means they're lost. Pharaoh couldn't hear when Moses came to him to speak the words of God to set the people free. Moses couldn't hear when God came to him to um, to take up the job. This might be the worst job interview in the history of humanity. Moses like finds five different ways to turn down the job. He ends up with the job nonetheless, but um, he's not hearing. The Israelites aren't hearing. They're not listening. And it says, why aren't they listening? Because they're avodah kasha vekotzer ruach. Because they were lost in back-breaking work. They were stuck in their routines, their brutal routines. They were, they were trapped. This is what happened in the Holocaust. You know, one of the most devastating things about the Holocaust, according to Viktor Frankl, was... Uh, in addition to, you know, the murder and the atrocity and all that was being starved, living while you were literally starving to death and always just enough nourishment that he wasn't dead. You know, he lived, but he was always on the edge and, and it's all he could think about. He was trapped. And he talks about, I think it's a man's search for meaning or doctor of the soul. That was one of the worst pieces of his existence was that he was always reduced to an animal. And it, it, there's nothing you can do when your body's devouring itself. All you can think about is food. You're stuck. And he just talks about being stuck, reduced is really his word and that he uses to describe the experience. But that's what that's what being stuck is. It's being reduced to 
a prison number, <clears throat> in his case, 119104. Um, and that's what the Enneagram says. We are reduced to our number when we are in fear. And the Israelites were reduced. They lost their names. Isn't it interesting? That's the real meaning of the book of Exodus. It's called Shemot in Hebrew, which means names. It's a story about what happens when we lose our name. And a name in Kabbalah isn't just, you know, I'm Baruch, I'm B. It's who you are. It's your true self. This is what the Enneagram is all about. Your spirit. Frankel called it the defiance spirit. Whatever you want to call it, it's the true you. You're not your body. Thank God. I had way more up top and way less, you know, in the midsection a few years back. But that's not who I am. It's my flesh suit. It's part of who I am. It's, it, But when I start believing it's who I am, I become stuck. You're not your body. You're not your, your doings. We're not human doings. We're human beings. But we act like human doings and we get stuck and the Israelites get stuck and we've lost our true self, our connection to our kotzer ruach. So kotzer, remember I said before, they were stuck. Avodah kasha, backbreaking work. They became animals, slaves, lost their connection to their true self, their name. And kotzer ruach, they were cut off from their ruach. And ruach is energy. That's what it means. It's another word for spirit uh, in Kabbalah. It means spirit. It means energy. It means wind. This is the... The, the juice, the stuff of life, the flow, you know, it's it's the divine energy that's around us and within us. It is us. And what were they cut off from? What could they not hear? Their spirit, their energy, right? And they were stuck in a number. They were just numbers. This is what a number means is you are no longer your name. You are no longer your essence. You are just the form. You are just the stuff of life. You're just a human doing. And so this is a story about, yes, Exodus leaving that behind, but reclaiming their name, returning to their ruach, their spirit, their defiant spirit, shattering those numbers and all the ways that they were stuck and a journey back to freedom and pathway forward, right? Through the stuckness, moving again. Moses was there. Moshe literally means to draw forth. Moses, Hebrew's name, in Hebrew, his name is Moshe. And it means to draw forth. So he was there to draw him, to draw them forth from the stuckness, from their number, back to their ruach, back to their energy, back to their name, moving forward on this journey out of Egypt. Egypt means in Hebrew is Mitzrayim, which means constriction. It means narrow. It means stuck. That's what the Egyptian experience is all about from the Bible's perspective, not modern Egypt. And so it's about getting unstuck, getting out of your number, moving along the lines of that Enneagram, the pathway that we can start um, journeying forward in our life back to freedom. So you can hear it, right? It's all kind of tied together. I'm bringing it home. So that's Passover. And Passover is a time when Jews traditionally gather together and tell the story of the Exodus. But it's not a historical tale. Jews don't believe in history. Um, there's no word for history in the Hebrew Bible. Not once. Because Jews don't believe in history. Now, does it mean we don't believe that, you know, there's been an evolution of species and human beings? No, I believe in the dinosaurs. But that's not, that is history. That's just not mine. So history, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs teaches is his story. 
It's her story. Is it their story? It happened to somebody else at a different time. The Hebrew word that's used for instead of history is memory, zahor, memory. It's used 169 times, I believe, in the Bible. Why? Because history is their story. Memory is our story. It's my story. You don't have to be Jewish for this to be your story. The moment you are a part of something, something resonates with you, that you make it your own, that you enter into the energy of it, right? The movement of it, it's no longer static. It's no longer in a history book. It becomes yours. So I don't have to have been there to be a part of this story. The moment I'm talking about it, it's my story, total aside. But this is what I utilize in my own life through grief when I lose a loved one and um, guiding other people through it. Because if you think your loved one is dead, then it's just history. It's happened way back when. But if it's our story, if their story is your story, it's our story, it's my story now, they're alive. They're in me. I'm carrying their story. I'm carrying their fire forward. It's living. They're living. They are not dead. And that is the same is true with the Exodus or with, you know, Martin Luther King and civil rights or with, you know, you pick your cause that just is yours. Even if you weren't there, it's yours. It's mine. But the Exodus is the one we're talking about. So we gather around the Passover table every year not to talk history, to talk our story. And there's a commandment that says you are commanded to make this your story, to tell the tale of your freedom, of your liberation, of your redemption. That's what it means to be at a true Passover Seder, to tell your story. All the stuff that you read about in the Haggadah, which is that little prayer book, is irrelevant. It's there to jumpstart the story. It's there to reconnect with the story, to remember the energy of the story, the stuckness of slavery, and the possibility of freedom, of reclaiming ruach, of spirit. But you don't have to read the words on the pages. I think it's a great structure, but it's like jazz music. Good jazz music doesn't stick to the structure. It uses structure and then riffs and drifts away and goes down this path and comes back, goes down that path. So, you know, a real Passover Seder is about gathering together with friends and loved ones to tell your story. And what's the story we're telling? The story of freedom. Freedom from what? Freedom from being stuck, stale, static, finite, kotzer, Ruach, cut off from our true self. And that's the Enneagram. So as an aside, um, my son is in college, Judah, and he's coming home with maybe three or four friends. And then we have our family and we're gathering together next week. By the time you hear this, it'll be this week probably. And we are doing a semi-traditional Passover Seder. You're going to have all the you know traditional foods. Happy to tell you about those offline. I'm going to have the Haggadah, the prayer book, the, the storytelling book. That's literally what it means. Haggadah means storytelling or to tell the story. And we're going to then, um, I'm going to, I have their Enneagram assessments, their numbers, and I'm printing out a summary of their particular Enneagram number. And by the way, they're all interested in the Enneagram. Yuda got very interested and he's been teaching his friends. 
and they're excited. And, and my kids all know their Enneagram type and they're excited. I'm putting out their summary. Each one of us can have a summary. And we're going to talk about our number and how we get stuck in our number. So as an example, I'm a um, sexual eight. It's not quite as exciting as it sounds. And, um, you know, I have my ways that I get stuck when I react. And that's what I try to remember to say when people say, what's your Enneagram number? I'll try to say I react as an Enneagram eight or as a sexual eight. It's not who I am, but that's the exodus. It is who I am when I act like that, when I react like that, but I'm not here to react. That's called slavery. I'm here to have free will. That's what it means to be free, to have the ability to choose. This is Viktor Frankl, the last of human freedoms to choose our attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose our own way. So this is a story or a holiday about reclaiming your ability to choose, to get unstuck, to get unslaved, to, to, get, to get free. And so we're going to be looking at how we get stuck individually. This can't be theory. It's annoying when you just go around the table and read. That's how I grew up, by the way. I loved my grandparents and going to their home, except for Passover, where it'd be like, oh God, can we eat yet? You know, reading up. Old, you know, for those of you who are Jewish, you know, we, we use the Haggadah Maxwell House um, Haggadah because it was the Maxwell House because on the back cover was a big Maxwell House ad and, you know, good to the last drop. So we would like read every single word to the last drop of this Haggadah and it was like painfully boring. We'd be like, holy Moses, like, can we eat yet? Like, my God, this is just painful. And people were bored. It was not about telling our stories, about history, their story. Well, you know, at our Seder, we always mix it up and try and make it personal. But this year, I'm really very excited in a way I have never been, at least in a long time, about the Seder. And other people are. It's pretty amazing, too, when you can cut across generational lines with something that engages everybody. So a few weeks ago, I was at uh, in Omaha, Nebraska with my mom and her friends, and we were talking about the Enneagram. And there was just this, like this hunger for more, to know more. And then I was, a few days later, I was with my son and his friends, and we were talking about the Enneagram. Same thing. My 11-year-old, same thing. My 16-year-old, same thing. My wife, same thing. My sister, same thing. So, you know, when you're onto something, when um, multi-generations, people across all kinds of divides normally wouldn't have a shared experience. We're going to have the shared experience around the Passover Seder, and we're going to talk about how to get unstuck from our number, how to access all our numbers, all the energy, to move it again, to get back to our path, to move forward in our life according to our choices and reclaiming that power of choice. This is Easter, right? This is the message of Easter. It's about rebirth. It's about getting unstuck. I'm not going to go deep down um, the whole of Easter right now because it's uh, just sophisticated and interesting conversation, A, and B, I'm not um, as qualified to speak on it. I would, if any pastors, uh, priests out there listening to this, I would love to get with you and do some studying on um, the Enneagram and Easter and bring the same conversation maybe back next year around Easter because I think it's just as relevant and uh, poignant. And then the, the spring equinox, the same thing. That's why Easter and Passover are around the equinox because it's a universal experience of being stuck, at least in the Western Hemisphere, at least here in Colorado. 
It's been a long winter, right? Things feel stuck. They feel dead. They're not dead. They're dormant. They're coming to life. I'm literally looking out the window as I say this, and there are buds on the uh, trees, even though it's mid-April and it's like 35 degrees out. I wish this damn winter would end. Um, but that's the point. The equinox is here, and it's telling us there's a turning. There's a there's an energy. There's a shift in the energy out in the natural world, and we we're intuiting it. We're feeling it. You know, you you can feel it in spring. This this ruach, this energy, the returning, and that's the point, though, that there's hope, and that when things appear dead, they're not dead; they're just stuck. And we have to move that energy. We have to get out of that reactive place. Get back to a responsiveness. Take back our power. And that's the journey from slavery to freedom. And that's the journey of the Exodus. And that's the story of Passover and the message of Easter. And it is the work of the Enneagram. It is a practical system of how to identify where I get stuck and how I get stuck and when I get stuck. It's just that simple. When I forfeit my power to choose, when I go into fear, I am no longer my name, my essence, my true self. I am simply a number. And we were not here, put here in this world to simply be numbers. We are here to defy our number. That's the work of the Enneagram. That's the program that I've created. That's the uh, service that I provide. That's the mission, the ministry, the mantra of my life. Get unstuck. You are not a number. Don't let anybody put a number on you and don't put a number on yourself. Defy your number. All those numbers that have come to define you, define you and limit you and stuck you, right? <laughs> I'm going to make a bumper sticker that says stuck you. Um, get unstuck. Get back to your power. Get back to your shemot, not your exodus. Back to your name. So that's it. That's my podcast for this week, for this season of Easter, of Passover, of the spring equinox. No matter what you celebrate, no matter what you believe, no matter where you are, who you are, where, when this finds you, remember that you have a power within you, the defiant power of your spirit. So discover it and live it. Defy your number, live your spirit, live your name. I will see you in the next video, next podcast. Shalom, salam, namaste, peace, happy uh, Easter. Have a meaningful Passover. Have an awesome spring equinox. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Defiant Spirit Podcast. I would love to hear from you, to get to know you, to set up a discovery call, to see how we might work together. I work with clients across the world by phone or Zoom to discover deeper meaning and greater purpose at what I call life's tease. Tests, transitions, trials, traumas, tragedies. If you're at one of life's tease and you're looking for deeper meaning and greater purpose, then please reach out to me and I can help you discover, awaken, and live the defiant power of your spirit. Until we meet, Shalom, Salam, Namaste, peace.